This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound, brought to you by Go Live Festival. I'm Ian Turner and my guest today is Luke Buddha, probably best known for being a founding member of the Phoenix Foundation. But before we get started, you can make sure you don't miss one second of the action by subscribing to the show. Just head to gardenofsound.nz and choose your favourite podcast provider from the front page. Right, Łukasz Pavel Buda, Polish immigrant, now Wellington musical institution, responsible for some of the biggest indie tunes of the noughties and beyond, and now feathering his musical nest with work aplenty in film and television. But what makes Luke Buddha tick, and more importantly, what keeps him up at night? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Luke Buddha on Plains FM 96.9. Uh, Luke, what's your what's your first memory of music? In Poland, I think what my parents listened to a lot were the first two Dire Straits albums, and maybe that like the Genesis album with the um, shapes on the cover, okay, right? Yep. And my mum says that when, you know when she was doing the the chores, as uh, she did in very traditional um, patriarchal nineteen eighties Poland, instead of putting me in front of the TV, I, like I'd be perfectly happy lying on the ground with some headphones on listening to Die Straits. Okay. And also there was like a little raised bit by a bay window in our house and apparently I would spend a long a lot of time on that with a tennis racket pretending to rock out. So that's pretty early. What part of Poland uh, were you born? I was born in a town in a city called Wrocław which is uh, to the west and was actually a German town during World War II yeah. and was the third largest city in the Third Reich. Oh, wow. Well, I don't know if you know, but at the end of the war, well, lots of borders changed, mm-hmm. but at the end of World War II, a whole bunch of the east of Poland got taken away from Poland and a whole bunch of the east of Germany was given to Poland. Okay. So the people who lived in that town, Wrocław or mm. Breslau as it is in German, mm. about a million people yep. were told, told they all had, I don't know, three days or something to just leave and then a million Polish people arrived in the city. That's pretty intense, eh? And because of that, um, or because of the fact that it has this German heritage, it, it just it kind of means it's had a lot of money put into it. So Poland these days is like there's a really big divide between um, the places that haven't had any investment and the places that have. You honestly, you you can go through a village and it's just like it's full on a poverty, like falling apart houses. Uh, and then you'll go to Wrocław, and because there's a huge um, German tourist thing, which is basically Germans who have heritage in the town want to come and see it. So there's, you know, it's like two hours from from the German border, right? And maybe two and a half hours from Prague. Like that's where okay. it is, like down the down down the bottom there. It's very pretty. Yeah, it's a very pretty town. There's a beautiful river. There's a great cathedral. There's a wonderful town square that's very picturesque. So, so worth a visit. Uh, I think it's pretty nice, yeah, yep. actually, to be honest, yeah. When did you come to New Zealand? In 1987. 87, okay. Like, that's why the All Blacks won the World Cup. Because <laughs> you came? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. How old were you when you arrived in, in New Zealand? 
eight years of age. Eight years of age. You probably remember a little bit. What was it like uh, turning up? Were you able to speak English at that point? No. Oh, wow. I also don't know if I'd ever been on a plane before, to be honest. My goodness. My grandfather worked for the International Union of Telecommunications in Geneva, which is sort of like part of the UN, and that's kind of how we managed to get out of Poland because Poland, of course, uh, behind the Iron Curtain, immigration was not really encouraged, was very strongly discouraged by the fact that when you got a passport for international travel, that passport was only um, valid for one month. Wow. Right. Anyway, but my so my grandfather was sitting next to a New Zealander at some UN conference and said, oh, your country sounds beautiful. Um, I would love to visit. And the, this guy sent him like some information about employment in New Zealand. My father did the same stuff. My father got a job at, in the um, IT department of New Zealand Post. And by the time we arrived in New Zealand, that had been changed to the brand new telecom. And we arrived on Saturday and my dad was at work on a Monday. And of course, I, I, I didn't think about it much then. But recently I was like, that's pre-internet days. Like my parents would have known so little about New Zealand yeah. at that time. We basically just got on a plane in Switzerland, having never been out of Europe. And that was that. How did you cope turning up at primary school? And which primary school was it? I mean, I had a pretty shit time for, for a while. I started at Clyde Key School. Clyde Key School had a quite a large ESL unit, so sure. there was a, some support there. It took me a while. It took me, I reckon, until high school, really, to be fully settled in. I mean, I had, I had some mates, but I was definitely like a crazy Eastern European kid with a funny accent for crazy a long time. Wukash. Yeah, um, pretty much. Well, that's why I'm called Luke, right? I wanted to fit in, man. So where did music come on the scene? Was there any singing? Was there any study pre-high school? I don't really know why I started playing guitar. I started playing guitar around the age of 11, but those lessons were pr- they were pretty blah. It was just like 10 kids in a class yep. doing going like ding 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 ding. You know, that was right. And then I think for my 13th birthday I got a book called How to Play Electric Guitar. And at the end of that book there was a section on cool guitarists. And in it it had photos <laughs> was it actually of cool called guitarists. Okay. It was actually it called It wasn't cool. called Cool Guitarist. No, I think that's I, uh, But, you know, I, I don't know, but that's that's what it looked like. And I shit you not, it was basically the photo of Eddie Van Halen in that book. I was like, yep. whoa, look at this guy. And uh, and then I got <clears throat> an electric guitar. Oh, that must have been actually for my 12th birthday because I got an electric guitar and an amp for my 13th birthday. Mm-hmm. And then going to Wellington High School and just meeting up with a whole bunch of um, – People from creative families, which is like the guys in the Phoenix Nation. I, I, yeah. I, I wonder how my life had gone if I hadn't hooked up with that lot. Yeah. You know, like Conrad's father is Ian Weddy, a poet. Will Ricketts' father is Harry Ricketts, who's mm. a poet. Sam's dad is Tom Scott, who, you know, is a political cartoonist. Yep. They're all like Sam had older, cool older brothers who were all into the Velvet Underground and Pixies and stuff. So... That was, I think, sort of like it was just Wellington High School getting an electric guitar and hanging out with a cool crew who yep. were into all that kind of shit, mm. basically. So formative years, I guess you're starting high school around 92, 93, maybe, or something. Yeah, yep. uh, 92, good. To my mind, um, uh, grunge was a big thing happening around then, um, which seems quite far away from the sound of the Phoenix Foundation and poetry and that kind of circle. What sort of bands were you listening to in your formative teen years? 
Oh, it was 100% grunge. 100% oh, grunge. Okay. And, 100% grunge and metal. And when I say metal, like in sixth and seventh form, when I was 16 and 17, you know, I had an obituary shirt and a Sepultura shirt. We're talking like hard roots, death. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> and Conrad from the Phoenix Nation is a massive metal guy too. Sam, not not really. Um, he dabbled just because we're his mates. Yeah. But um, but we were never like closed minded about it. You know, it was like we love the the metal, but then like Conrad would also be like. Oh, let's listen to the Paris, Texas soundtrack or, oh, okay. let's listen to this Keith Jarrett concert. And then it's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Now let's listen to some fucking Slayer, you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I think that's that's important. Always open-minded no matter what. But, yeah, definitely. Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden, Berg Soundgarden times. Good. Yeah. Good, I appreciate where you're coming from. It is time for some music, and uh, you've chosen a track by a group that I'm unfamiliar with called Granddaddy, uh, mm-hmm. and the song is Non-Phenomenal Lineage. I, I think we listened to them once maybe at Eva Dixon's, and I really dug it, but also, you know, in the old days, we used to sometimes end up just sitting around with friends and watching shitty late-night TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old days, that that doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah. But anyway, and, and you'd often just end up watching late-night um, music videos. And their track, um, Summer Here Kids, came on, and I just, I just connected immediately. But basically, Granddaddy were quite big for the Phoenix Foundation because they had a cool mixture of sort of grungy guitars and toy sounding keyboards okay i've actually i've chosen a track which maybe is less like of a seminal sort of track there's something about their wonkiness they got a wonkiness and a sense of like they're from i think is it called modesto in california which from the sounds of things is a funny town yep. and they're sort of like a maybe a bunch of weirdos in this sort of funny town somewhere yep. in California yep. playing this slightly wonky, grungy, but with uh, but with synths, but the synths are all sort of shitty Casios. And it just felt fresh and it, it touched it touched our hearts. Thank you. 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Luke Buddha on Plains FM 96.9. Rock your winter with Go Live, Christchurch's Winter Music Festival, Friday, July 22nd and Saturday 23rd at the Christchurch Town Hall. Over 18 artists, live across two nights on five stages. Get your tickets now at premier.ticketech.co.nz. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Luke Buddha on Plains FM 96.9. Luke, I want to talk about you getting off to concerts and stuff, and in the Wellington region, I'm sure over the years there have been a few. What was the first big gig you attended? Crowded House at the Wellington Town Hall. I think my father got free tickets. We went to see it. Paul Lubana-Jones opened. I think I was standing right up the front. I remember um, I remember getting a puzzled look from uh, it's Nick Seymour on base. Yep. He was looking down. I must have been like 10 or 11. I probably, you know, and there I was pretty much at the front row of the gig. Yeah. I don't think it was like a watershed moment, sure. but I, I remember enjoying the gig. Yeah. Um, I don't think there has ever been a gig that's had a watershed moment like that. Oh, really? That's disappointing. By the time I, but because by because I was already massively into music. By the yep. time I went to some of other great I, gigs, you know, I see. So it right. was too late. What's the best gig you've ever been to? I don't. I can't really do best. Best is a thing I don't. I can't do. But I can list off a few real special ones. Sure. Uh, fl- Flaming Lips at the big day out for the Yoshimi Battles, the Pink Robots tour. Um, that was fucking amazing. Um, actually, Portishead. I just, I just remember getting um, massively stoned before going to see Portishead at the town hall. Like they just had amazing visuals, yeah. and it sounded amazing. And I actually enjoyed it a lot more. Like that was the time that the New York concert with the with the orchestra mm. came out, and I remember enjoying the concert at the town hall a lot more because I didn't have the orchestra, and they actually jammed. But they jammed sounding like a Portishead album, and I remember that really blowing my mind. Like, wow, they sound like all the sounds sound as amazing as they do on the album, but they're doing these extended jams, which is which just blew my mind. Yeah. Um, 
One that made a big impression on me was the Datsuns at Bodega because yep. I didn't know anything about them and yep. I hadn't been to a, like a, a gig where people moshed for years when I went there and they just got on the stage and they just absolutely obliterated Bodega. Um, she had at the James Cabaret whenever Killjoy came out. I remember, I mean, we weren't supposed to, I, I was underage. Mm. So it must have been like 96 or something. Mm. And they'd just come back from their first European tour and they'd done yeah. like 60 gigs or something. Yeah. So they were just like, tight. they were one, fucking tight, and yep. two, just buzzing from having been to Europe. Yeah. And that album had been like really going off while they were in Europe. So they started with you again, everyone sang along, and that yeah. felt real special. Yeah. What's your ideal performing scenario? When the Phoenix Foundation toured Friendship in 2020, we sort of toured like every kind of venue. Like in Dunedin, we played Starters Bar, which was a skanky as student bar. Yep. In Auckland, we played the Power Station, which is, you know, like a, a really high-end, mid, you know, small to mid-sized venue with yep. really great gear, but it's quite a rock and roll venue. Yep. And in Wellington, we played the State Opera House, and yeah. I loved all of those scenarios because they're just so different. And like Starters Bar, it's just like 250 people crammed into a room and it feels really sweaty and intense. And then the power station feels like, you know, it almost feels like a big gig. The sound is fantastic. Everyone is great. Lines of sight. The Opera House gig was probably the best one because that was – you know, everything sounded great. The quiet songs got the respect that they deserve. And when you don't have a huge section of the crowd chatting in a quiet song, which is something that I have, must admit fucks me off because it's like, yes, I understand it's quiet, but like if you actually just shut up for the first minute of the song, then you would be in the song. You know what I mean? And then you would like give the moment the power that it sort of, deserves if you just if you opt out just because it's quiet because you have no bloody attention span you're basically denying that experience but i mean whatever i've talked at gigs like a drunk dick over a quiet band before i will confess Mm. um but at the state opera house that was very that was beautiful because everyone is seated yep the theater is very beautiful the sound is amazing yep we played a variety of stuff we brought it all the way down and when we brought it all the way down there wasn't a single chat in the house and so that venue allowed the magic in a way i think that starters bar doesn't but starters bar is a really rocking good time which i also like you know yeah so there you go how long has um, Phoenix Foundation been together? Yeah, so Sam and Conrad and I have been playing music together. The first time we played music together was when we were 14. I'm 43 uh, now, which makes that 29 years. 29 years. years. <laughs> yep. And yeah. Will and Conrad from the Phoenix Foundation have known each other since they were born. Yeah. Um, but Will didn't really join the band until a, a little bit later on. So officially, I think, I don't think we can count their lifelong friendship as part of the band. I'm not really sure if the band concept was around at the moment of their birth any big plans for the 30th anniversary yeah well hopefully there'll be a dinner but um it's going to be the 20th anniversary of our first album next year and i believe we will be releasing a vinyl version of that okay and i have actually recently gone through many many hours of live stuff to try and put together a live album 
And so I've taken about, I don't know, 15 hours or something down to about two hours. So I have to just like whittle that down again until it's under an hour. Okay, it is time for some more music. And I do ask for an all-time fave. Uh, And you've Mm -hmm. chosen something by the musical group Sonic Youth uh, and a particular track, Tunic. As I hadn't heard it before, I thought this was a request for Karen, but it's not. It's actually Tunic, Mm -hmm. Song for Karen. Song for Karen, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. So I I can't remember who lent it to me, but someone lent me a a Sonic Youth videotape. Uh, I don't know, maybe when I was about 16. Uh, and it was uh, it was their album Goo, which which this song is from, and it was every single song on the album had a video, you know, by different um, a bunch of them by different um, very well regarded contemporary artists out of New York, and uh, I later re- found out that Goo is the, their first major record label album and an album that a bunch of their like diehard punky fans thought was a real sellout because um, mm. they signed to Geffen. But for me, it was pretty crazy sounding stuff. And it was the kind of thing where I wasn't sure if, if I liked it, but something was going on there. And I, I kept going back to it, even though I wasn't sure of it. You know, I was like, this is a bit weird, but oh, I'm going to watch it again. Um, I th- kind of feel like the first half of that album, Dirty Boots, Tunic, Cool Thing, like Disappearer, are like quite insanely good more the more sort of normal sounding Sonic Youth, yep. but just done so well. And uh, Tunic, I don't know, man. Just the guitar noise in Tunic hits the spot. It's like the very first chord kind of goes wow, and it's just like the perfect electric guitar lightning bolt through reality vibe. And there's just like all this feedback. And the mix is quite weird because the band's like really rocking. I love everyone in the band. Like the drummer plays so on top of the beat. It's almost like they're rushing the whole time, but they're not rushing. So it's very exciting feeling. And then her vocals are mixed sort of, she's just talking, but they're mixed very loud over the top. And the song is about Karen Carpenter. And so it's like, it's like um, another Greek salad, another iced tea. There's a tunic in the closet waiting just for me and uh it's so it's it's quite an intense you know it's basically about her dying of anorexia um and at one point you know she's like in heaven and she's hanging out with jimmy and janice and stuff so it's it's like a great it's a great track i'm very much looking forward to hearing it yeah it makes me i don't know why this might be funny but i find the track quite emotional i find the guitar noise in it quite quite emotional i think it's quite be- it's it's not it's, it's guitar noise but i think yeah. it's i think it's beautiful personally
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Luke Buddha on Plains FM 96.9. Luke, at the end of this section, we're going to be listening to one of your tracks, Don't Think in Bed. What's the Luke writing style? How does the songs come out of you? Okay, so I've chosen this track because there's a lot of different angle, different things to talk about. Like, for example, one of the things to talk about with this track is that I did not write the lyrics. Ah. Um there are three tracks on the album that I did not write the lyrics and the New Zealand novelist Damien Wilkins wrote the lyrics. Mm. So so basically often lyrics just they just destroy me. If I could if I could write lyrics I reckon I'd just be albums would just be coming out of me because there's songs, there's song ideas, structures, melodies, arrangements just all the time and lyrics are a nightmare. Is it because so, you don't have anything to say? Yeah, or it's just like, oh, no one needs to hear another whinging song about how I'm old and fat and tired, um, you know. Maybe <clears throat> anyway, just one more, just one more. Yeah, just one more. Uh, Damien, he was actually my partner Sarah's lecturer or master supervisor when she did a, a master's in creative writing. We were chatting. I played on, on his album. He writes music as well. And, uh, you know, we were chatting and I said, man, I just have such a hard time writing lyrics. And he was like, well, look, I... I'd be keen to to try, and I just put that in my head, and I was very I was very hesitant at first because I'd never really done that before, except for with Sam and the Phoenix Foundation. But that's we've been doing that since we were fourteen, so it doesn't yep. even feel like it's just like yeah. oh yep, yeah, there's that dude. Yep. Um, it took me a long time to finally kind of almost like out of desperation, just go okay, well I've got to finish the album, and I, this stuff needs lyrics. And what was amazing with Damien. Almost like he's a writer, I would send him the track with a, like a mumbling vocal and pretty much the next day he would be like, here are the lyrics. And interestingly, people didn't, like even people who know me quite well thought that I'd written Don't Think in Bed. So that's funny that he somehow managed to get a bit of a my my voice vibe into it. So were, um, you, were you just ad-libbing stuff that just came to you in what you Yeah, I just, to? I'll often just be like, la, da, 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 or I'll... Yeah, I'll totally just have a melody, but no words. Yep. Gotcha. Or a line that is just like a shit line of lyrics, so I don't yep. want to sing it to anyone because I'm like, ugh, this is terrible. <sighs> and so, Don't Think in Bed started off very differently. It had a huge synth and a massive drum machine, and I, w- I was singing in a much louder voice. And then I sort of sent it to him, and he sent back the lyrics, and then... I had to learn how to sing his lyrics. I had to learn how, what the vibe of his lyrics was, and the vibe of his lyrics was quite different. So then the song changed drastically, or the wow. vibe of the song changed. And so then I had, um, I asked a uh, uh, Wellington pianist, Dale Jellyman, which is a great name, to come and play the piano. And we have uh, Toby Lang from Fat Freeze Drop came to my garage and he played the tenor horn very nicely in it. Chris O'Connor and Tom Corwood from the Phoenix Foundation played bass and drums. And that was really amazing. Actually, both of them pretty much just did like a take, maybe two takes. Um, we have Anita Clark. Uh, doing the backing vocals. She actually mm-hmm. does backing vocals on every track. And when we play it live, instead of the tenor horn, she plays uh, mystic violin. Um, the track is about insomnia and it's about thinking, you know, like when you're like lying in bed and you just can't get out of your head and it has some, you know, it's kind of got like, it has some naughty suggestions at the end of what you might want to do instead of sit mm-hmm. there and be thinking about stuff, but 
the first verse, this is a this is a, a mildly interesting story. The first verse is actually about the person having an anxiety attack about thinking about the possibility of an earthquake. And this is why my partner thought that I'd written the song because my mother has quite strong anxiety about earthquakes. Sure. But then I played it in Christchurch and I hadn't thought about the feeling of playing it in Christchurch. And it was the first song that we played, Anita and I. And just as I started singing it, I was like, oh my God, I'm about to sing a song about how someone can't sleep because they're worried about the possibility of an earthquake. To people that have all lived through an earthquake, I'm actually feeling really intense and uncomfortable right now. And I, I think I've fluffed the lyrics on purpose because I actually couldn't, I actually couldn't handle the feeling. So that's interesting. That'll be an interesting bridge to cross next time I'm in Littleton. I'll probably just have to talk about it. I'll be like, this is the story of the song. And just on that note, yeah. you are playing Littleton. That is correct. Yeah. And you are bringing uh, Anita with you. Uh, well, she actually lives in Littleton. So. Oh, does she? Oh, okay. Well, she, at yeah. least you're, so she's just you're gonna, taking her to the Littleton walk, Coffee Cup. Now. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to walk down the street. Or maybe she's bringing you. Maybe that's the, yeah. the way that it goes. I think it's uh, probably an appropriate time um, to hear this from Luke Buddha. This is Don't Think in Bed.
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Luke Buddha on Plains FM 96.9. Rock your winter with Go Live, Christchurch's Winter Music Festival, Friday, July 22nd and Saturday 23rd at the Christchurch Town Hall. Over 18 artists, live across two nights on five stages. Get your tickets now at premier.ticketech.co.nz. This is the Garden of Sound interview with the absolutely wonderful Luke Buddha on Plains FM 96.9 Rockin'. I just got a couple of quickfire questions for you. A couple of these we've already answered. We know what your full name is and, and your, your hometown. Wrocław. 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 Not bad. Um, Not bad. Thank you. For, I've only been to Gdansk for a, um, uh, for oh, a yeah. festival, so that's, my, that's the limit of my Polish experience. Danzig. Of sorts, um, no. Mm. It was it was block party, uh, and it was Muse, and it was Björk, and it was Beastie Boys, and it was amazing. What I can mm. remember of it. Um, what's your biggest disappointment? Oh God. <laughs> okay, no. I'll take that. No. <laughs> Favorite holiday location? I think at the moment it's either Northland or Golden Bay. Excellent. There you go. Um, what's your essential cooking item? I mean, it's probably something really boring like olive oil or something, right? Is that what you mean? Not That's or a frying, That's... Well, a frying no. pan. Do you know what? Can be whatever it is. We'll take olive oil. Mm, uh, number mm. of siblings? No, sorry. Um, I honestly, I can't have a meal without saffron, foie gras, truffles. That's probably why you need all that cash. Um, number mm. of siblings? Most of my, or a lot of my life, growing up, just one sibling, but yeah. now one of five. What's the biggest problem with the world today? Sticking steadfastly to the brutal ideology of a sort of a heartless meritocracy, capitalism that punishes people for being born without any privilege and um, is using up the resources uh, of our planet at an insane rate and pretty much a far more redistributive economy across the board is probably one of the most important things that we need to do to save us and it, I don't actually know if it's going to be possible because the powers that be have so much power and they just want to carry on um, getting their billionaire hard-ons. Excellent. The brand you trust? Molden Sea Salt. Okay. Very I good. trust Molden Sea Salt. That actually I, sounds I like it's of... tagline. <clears throat> Honestly, I don't, I can't say like, because I, I was thinking, oh, I could say Fender, I could say Roland, but all companies make some shit products. There isn't a company that I just, there isn't a, a, anything that I just, you know, just wholeheartedly trust without using my brain about it. Sure. Yep. Sure. Okay. R- Ro- Roland have made a lot of fantastic stuff. Yeah. Fender have made a lot of fantastic stuff. Okay. What's a missed opportunity for Luke Buddha? Oh, these are mean questions. I'm 43. All I think about is my missed opportunities and my disappointments. This is definitely not fun. Um, I think in 2011, the Phoenix Nation was really going off in the UK and Europe. And we played, um, you know, later with Jules Holland and shit like that. And we, we, what we should have done instead of spending two years making the next album is just like gone back and toured again and toured again and possibly like made an album quicker instead of taking so long and not appearing again. Pretty much after we played on Jules Holland, we didn't come back to the UK for like two years. And I think that that was just, I don't understand why no one told us that we needed, that we shouldn't have done that. 
And uh, that was that. No, I, I feel you. It's, it's taken me a long time to get um, to get over that. A luxury purchase for when you're really rich. Damp proofing, obviously. Yeah, a studio. Um, I mean, honestly, like, I don't reckon I have one in a in a way because musical equipment. I don't really see that as a luxury purchase, even if it does seem like really ex- some of it's like stupidly expensive. But mm-hmm. I do use it. Yeah. Day to day. Yep. I am uninterested in fancy cars. Yep. Probably like a pretty nice house, but I wouldn't be going for like a giant. I wouldn't be going for an ostentatious thing. Yep. I could probably have some kind of a nice um, wooden outdoor hot tub thing, but even that, I think for me, the thing that I would do if I had lots of money is possibly just eat real well and travel a bit um, and just sort of try and just sort of have a fun time as opposed to having really expensive things. I'm not I'm not particularly interested. I yep. mean, okay, nice clothes are nice. I'd probably buy an expensive car, but it would be expensive because it's really safe and it's really sustainably made. Gotcha. And it's got really great long-lasting batteries that will last for 30 years or, you know. Aotearoa or New Zealand? Oh, Aotearoa, come on. Okay. Wood or steel? Wood. Okay. Can't make a guitar out of steel. Is that not on the cover of um, uh, Brothers in Arms, or am I wrong? (coughs) Oh, true, yeah. It's a Dobro. Yeah, okay. Very particular sound, though. Indeed. Person you miss the most? I have a lot of family around the world, and I, you know, because we've, you know, we moved away from Poland. My uncle, who I, who was nine years older than me and was like, you know, kind of a bigger brother type figure, he lives in California. I hardly see him. Yeah. My uh, father now lives in. Saudi Arabia. He actually moved away from New Zealand a long time ago, uh, so I don't see him very much. There's all my Polish family. Yeah, family, just family. They're yeah. they're everywhere. And lastly, on a positive note, the thing you most enjoy doing is probably music. Really, let's face it. Yeah, music, and then other than music, just full hedonist activities. I do not believe that there's a point in uh, you know uh, sort of going for purity of spirit. I just think hedonistic pursuit of the pleasures of the flesh all the way i'm gonna have some more cheese you know yeah that's the new album title anyway Mm. cheese platter (laughs) well either that or the hedonistic pursuit of pleasures of the flesh pleasures of the flesh flesh. yes yeah indeed sure to be banned somewhere what's next we talked about the potential live album and the phoenix reissue um, we are working on a movie at the moment. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to tell you what the movie is yet, but um, it's a very well-known American cartoon franchise. It's probably about the sixth movie in the franchise, so that's quite exciting. Mm. It's a really massive project because it's uh, orchestral score, which we've never done before. Mm-hmm. And uh, as it happens, that is a massive process. So that's been a real steep learning curve. I quite like the cartoon actually. It's pretty funny. Yep. And then after that, we've got a t- we've got this you know this TV show Far North. Yep. Um, I made a bunch of vinyl and a bunch of t-shirts to take on tour uh, for my album release tour, and then it was rescheduled and then it was cancelled. So these gigs coming up in July because I'm yep. doing Wellington, Auckland, Littleton, Omaru. Um, yep. You know that's a bit store. of that, and then yep, and then. Um, Hopefully a full band, like Buddha band, or the band known as Luke Buddha, tour 
again the yeah. the same sort of stuff, but in a band setting and yeah, yeah that's that really. Fantastic. Wait, one last thing. We were involved in the New Zealand film Nude Tuesday. Okay. And for that film, we did not do the score, but in the film, I'm not sure if you are you familiar with with the film Nude Tuesday. I am not. Okay, it's just come out. It's um, in my opinion, exceptional. It's this the cast spoke in a made up language, which sounds mildly Scandinavian, and so. They have different comedians in different parts of the world writing the subtitles to the same movie. And it's, that, that was very interesting because the movie that I saw was the subtitles by the main actor and writer, Jackie Van Beek. And then when mm-hmm. I saw the movie itself, the subtitles were by the British comedian, Julia Davis, and they what? were so dirty. It was ins- It was like a completely different film. Anyway, in the film, they managed to get the rights to several hit songs to redo them in the made-up language. So we did Road to Nowhere and Time of the Season and Sea of Love in yeah. a made-up language. Wow. And soon the soundtrack is coming out and you will be able to hear those songs in a made-up language as well as a few songs that we recorded with one of the stars of the film, Jermaine Clement, who plays a sex guru called Bjorg, Bjorg Rasmussen. It's a bit of a and stretch. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we did some some tracks that are like Bjorg's music, and so it's sort of like new age, new age sex music with Jermaine Clement basically freestyling a made up language. So that's coming out soon. Brilliant. We do have time for one more track today, um, and it's from another one of your bands, Teeth. And this is something that's gone wrong in my brain. Who's in Teeth? What is Teeth? So- the story goes that when our, when the Phoenix Foundation drummer Richie Singleton left the band after a mere 12 years in the band, um, we had drum drummer auditions, and one of the drummers who came to audition was a man called Anthony Donaldson, who should be familiar to uh, New Zealand lovers of um, experimental and improvised music. And he was re- really not right for the Phoenix Foundation, but that was the the audition where we sounded like the most different band. Mm. And I was like, wow, that was actually pretty cool because he just played music so differently to anything that I've ever experienced. I think I'd quite like to play some music with Ant. Yeah. And so I rung him up and he was really into it. And then we were thinking about who else to ask to join the band. And we have a mutual friend called David Long who used to play guitar in a New Zealand band called the Mutton Birds. Yeah. And he, he hadn't played in a band for a while. And so we asked him to join the band. And then Tom Callwood, the bass player from the Phoenix Foundation, has also played with all three of us. So he just ended up being the bass player. And I'm really into this track. It's actually probably one of my favourite of tracks that I've been involved with. And the story of the lyrics and the only line of lyrics is something's gone wrong in my brain. And then the bridge goes, I'm up, I'm down, I'm up. I'm down again. And that was basically, I was sitting in front of the computer and it's like, oh my God, what the hell? Why am I going to write some lyrics about? How do I actually feel? How do I feel? I feel like something's gone wrong in my brain. And I was like, oh, okay. Something's gone wrong in my brain. Yeah. And it was like, well, there you go. There's a sleeper. Why don't you just start crowdsourcing the lyrics? (coughs) How you feel today? Oh. Anyway, uh, we recorded the album in three days, which is very different to the Phoenix Foundation. Uh, we just smashed it out. Mm. Luke, it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure chatting to you today, finding all about you. Um, I'm very much looking forward to that gig on the 7th of July. Let's go and listen to Something Has Gone Wrong 
gone wrong in my brain from teeth. Luke, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me today on Garden of Sound and thanks to Luke for opening up about his past, present and future. You can catch him with Anita Clark on the Buddha Plays Buddha Tour in Auckland on the 8th of July at the Wine Cellar, Christchurch 9th of July at the Littleton Coffee Company and Omaru on the 10th of July at the Grain Store Gallery. You can get links to all of those gigs by heading to gardenofsound.nz and clicking on Luke's pick on the front page. I'm Ian Turner and this has been Garden of Sound, brought to you by Go Live Festival, 22nd and 23rd of July, Christchurch Town Hall. Until next time, keep well, keep listening and keep playing. E no hurrah.